It's April 20th, 2019, and this is episode five of It Started in Hendricksville, stories by Jerry Abram. Good morning, Dad. How are you today? Fine. Everything looks good other than the rain. It is a wet day for sure. So, Mom, how are you today? Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> you just woke up, so uh, glad to see you today as well. So, um, so, Dad, last week we talked a lot about your dad's jobs and a little bit about jobs that you did. Um, part of the reason I'm, I want to talk about this is... Um, that was just a big part of life. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times nowadays, sometimes people sort of have their, their livelihood and then they also have maybe some other thing they do and spend a lot of time in. But for you guys, jobs were a big deal. Um, it seems like you guys, um, you know, it wasn't easy. Uh, mm -hmm. So you spent a lot of time. So this week I wanted to really go into your jobs and just try to walk all the way through um, so we started out um, when you were young. There were a few things you've already told us about uh, being 12 years old and hauling logs to the, to the law mill and helping your dad with a crosscut saw. Um, we talked about you guys hauling coal in the wintertime uh, to make some money with your dad's truck. Um, but another thing you did was hay baling. And so tell us a little bit about that and how old you were and things like that. I started out with uh, Truman Hudson, was one of the farmers in our area there, and he done baling just for the little square bales uh, for all the people around there. He baled for several of the small farmers. And uh, this hay baler had an automatic tying unit on it, but it missed a lot. They hadn't perfected that yet. Oh, okay. So I rode on the back of the baler where the bales come by me and when one would come by that the strings were not tied on, I would tie the strings. Now, was it still kind of compressed at that point? Oh, yeah. So the, it's still compressed, yeah. and you could tie it before it would yeah, release the, it, and the, then it kind of sprung out and got tight. The strings were loose when they come past where I was, so I could tie, you know. But uh, there was slack in them, I mean, so uh -huh. I had room to tie another piece in or tie the ones together that we were using. And uh, that was when I was 11 years old. And okay. I worked at that, and uh, that went on through, uh, well, I worked with Hay for three or four years there, and after that, when uh, Truman got him a new, uh, new baler that was working better, uh -huh. then I just started helping the farmers put up hay. I'd drive the tractors and pull the wagons and change the wagons from, you know, one that was full to one that was empty, and then in the barn where they pulled it up into the barn with ropes, I would drive the tractor and pull the uh, rope that brought the hay up over the pulleys and took it into the top of the barn. So yeah, so to go back, so when I was young, I did a little hay baling too, but we had, a, had an elevator that was automated. You'd hook your tractor to it or mm -hmm. an electric motor or something and run it up. But, but in your day, some of the old barns, um, I think uh, you'll see these if you look around, they had a portion of the barn that extended out over the end of the barn. So they look kind of funny. There's this part hanging out there. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're talking about. That's where, that was to lift the hay up into the barn. Right. It would go up that, uh, there was a pulley down where your forks were that you put in the hay. Uh-huh. And also uh, another pulley at the top. And when this pulled that up, 
to where the track on the barn, there was a track that these little ro wheels rolled on, just like a railroad track. Uh-huh, and that was right in the peak, wasn't it? It was right in the peak yeah. of the barn, and when this got up, it tripped a, a uh, lock, and then this would roll down through the barn, and then wherever uh, they wanted to drop this hay at, to make it, because they was filling the barn, yep. there would be a person in there that would yell, and a guy down here had a small rope hooked to that, and he would jerk that rope and trip it, and the hay would fall. So then, oh, really? so, that, so so he would trip it from the ground. Yeah. Okay, and then I assume then you pull the thing back and then lower it back down and he used on. that rope okay. to pull it back with. Oh, see, and I would have to back the tractor up, you know, and not uh -huh. get on the rope and back all the way up to the barn where it was hooked up at to start with. So and you guys, at that point, you were you were starting to get modernized because it wouldn't have been that many years before that you wouldn't have had tractors to cut the hay or haul the hay or anything. Mm -hmm. And did who owned, did Truman own most of that stuff? Yeah, uh, Truman and his dad, James. Okay. And the big barn that we put a lot of Truman's hay in was James' barn. Truman didn't have a barn big enough to hold any hay to mount anything. And, and was that down there close to Union Church? Yeah. That, that mm -hmm. whole area down in there is where mm -hmm. they lived, right? So. Um. um and so, okay, so you did that, and that was kind of a summertime job, and then, of course, you go back sure. to school in the fall. Mm -hmm. um, the next thing for summertime job, you think you were a little older at this time, because you probably had a driver's license, was your uh, brother-in-law had a hardware store. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay, uh, my oldest sister had married Ted Chitwood, and at the time she married him, he was the manager at the uh, airport, the Bloomington Airport, which was Kister's Field at that time. And, and now him and his brother Ted had, had pretty much helped get that field going, hadn't yeah, they? Yeah, Ted and Fred. Okay. And then during the World War II, they tra uh, trained people oh, to fly know. there and okay. didn't go across the water. I th Fred may have gone across the water and trained over there. but He, he was certainly in the military, but I don't yeah. know where he went. So. But anyway, then uh, that's when my oldest sister wanted to take flying lessons, and that's where she met Ted. And then eventually, her and Ted married. And then when uh, he sold out all of his airplanes and stuff, he had, I think at one time, had five planes of his own. Okay. But when he sold those out, he bought the hardware store in Ellettsville. So, so let's step back. Mm -hmm. We mentioned Virginia earlier. She's your oldest sister, and yeah. she still lives here in, in town and doing great. Mm -hmm. um, you guys didn't have much money. How did she end up deciding to fly I and mean, that seems like a weird a weird thing to me that you is as difficult as life was that she could have found a way to you know to get into flying well so. she had moved out at our home okay and was so not was living with us she was living in bloomington and i'm pretty sure she was working at the rca plant at okay. that time and All had right. her own money so she had a little little money and oh, she yeah. just wanted to do that that's so. just something she wanted to do okay yeah. so so back to the hardware store okay. so ted started a hardware store he started the hardware store and he had it open for quite some time actually uh i don't know if it was when he first bought it he went in with a one of his brother-in-laws and uh, then later bought it all out on his own and you say one of his brother-in-laws, do you know who that was? That was Harold Fischel. Oh, I was going to ask. Okay, all right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that. Okay. But uh, through all that, then as soon as I got my driver's license and could drive, I went to work for Ted and just done stocking in the store for a while. And then he had a little uh, 
another side business, which was scale gas, and delivered to the people in uh, the country around there. So now, how is that spelled? S-K-E-L-G-A-S. Huh. Okay, now is it, I feel like I've seen that name before. Yeah. Is it still a company that's around? Or? I think they're still around. Okay. It's one of the oldest companies. Okay, I, I didn't realize he was involved in that yeah. as well. Okay. But anyhow, when he got into that, he had an old three-quarter ton GMC pickup. Yep. And uh, I drove that and delivered gas all over the country. Delivered it all down in where it's all underwater now, down in Lake Monroe. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and were you delivering tanks? Would you, were you filled up a tank and then took it down and traded it out for an empty tank or something well, like the, that? Well, the uh, supplier brought the tanks to us full. Okay. On And unloaded them on a dock. Uh -huh. And then however many I needed to take, I would roll into the back of that truck and stood them up. Mm -hmm. They had to stand up on end. And uh, then I'd deliver and hook them up to the houses. Uh, just wherever it called, you know, the ones that called for gas. Interesting. Uh, so, uh, all right. So then after that, you graduated high school, and uh, and uh, you graduated high school, and you then did a kind of a short stint in the army. Then, so yeah, when I come out of high school, I went right on into the military. And, and your original plan was to do a. A more in depth, but then your dad wasn't doing very well, yeah. so you adjusted. Things. I was going to go for a two year uh, active, and uh, they talked with me, the Army people did, and found out our situation at home. My dad had fallen sick with uh, kidney stones, and he was not able to work. Mom never was able to work uh -huh. on a public job, uh -huh. and they were destitute. Yeah, all of us were, but of course, everybody around us was too at that yeah. time. But uh, anyway, uh, I went in and done my six months of active duty. I'd done uh, two months in uh, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Okay. Then uh, they moved me back to Fort Knox, Kentucky because I was a foot soldier in the, uh, uh, the foot group, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I forget what there's a special name for it. Yeah. I can't even remember yeah, what that was. Okay. But anyway, uh, just... Uh, went on to advanced training at uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky, and stayed there for four months. Okay. And then come back home. And then back home, I attended meetings every week. And in the summertime, took two weeks and went to Camp McCoy, Wisconsin for advanced training. Okay. Uh, for I'd done that for four years. And then uh, got out of that and done four years of inactive. I was still on call if they needed uh -huh. me. So I had my name on the dotted line uh, for eight years and came out with an honorable discharge with a rank of, uh, it was a specialist five class that I came out with, which would have been sergeant if I'd been wearing the stripes. Okay, interesting. So, now, um, during this time, you were living at home, I assume, still. Yes, sir. And were you still in the old farmhouse at that point? or? Yeah. So, so you're still, because that house that your parents got from your grandparents, you told us it wasn't in very good shape, <laughs> but you guys were still living in that house at that time. Oh, yeah. And, um, okay, and so then uh, you, I think somewhere in there you went to Bloomington Automotive for a little while. Mm -hmm. What'd you do there? Okay, at Bloomington Automotive, I stocked shelves and also hauled most of their stuff out of the big warehouse in Indianapolis. I'd go every day and oh, okay. get whatever was on order. I'd go pick it up and bring it back and we'd okay. stock it in the shelves. And then the job um, 
was Sarkis Tarzian, and I'll just say for people listening, um, S-A-R-K-E-N and then T-A-R-Z-I-A-N, I think I'm spelling that right, Tarzian uh, for the last name. But anyways, look that up if someone want, if you want to know more about Sarkis Tarzian. It was a man, and he was quite an interesting guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, he had businesses, and he had, he was an immigrant. He came from, I can't remember where he Greece or someplace, but anyways, um, so tell us a little bit about what you did for his company. Okay, for his company, I went in with the maintenance group that done the maintenance on all their buildings and their mowing and their uh, upkeep on their lights and bulb changing and uh, done a lot of work in the shop, helping build crating and stuff for the stuff they were shipping out. At that time, they started in on the uh, making tapes which wound up being uh, similar to our little tape players oh really yeah so they, they got into the electronic side of things uh-huh. a little bit but uh-huh. i know he also was heavily involved i think with the radio station at one point he he owned uh-huh. the radio station that's what i thought and uh, they built the actual plant that i worked in there on hillside drive their main job was uh tuners for the television the okay unit that oh, so the they tuner. were big time into electronics oh, yeah. then yeah big okay. time all right and so then, somewhere along in there, you ran into uh, a young lady named Marie Walcott. So tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about how that story happened and you got uh, how you guys ran into each other and got to know each other. Because yeah. she was a Bloomington person yeah. and you were a Hendricksville person. So, Well, uh, it was uh, rather odd the way it all came about. But uh, I knew before, like two years before I met Marie, I had met one of her sisters, which was Margaret. Okay. Uh, one of my buddies that was from Bloomington knew Margaret, and we talked to him one night in town, and Margaret was a pretty girl, too. Then when I found out, uh, I, well, actually, I went to town one night, uh, didn't have any money, nobody had any money, but two of my uh, cousins, those girls, wanted me to take them to Bloomington that night. Okay. So I took Judy and Patty with me, and we went to town. And Judy and Patty, what's their last name? Uh, Judy Hudson and Patty Hudson. Okay, all right. And we went to Bloomington and was just driving around. That's when you drove through the big boy restaurant, you know, just mm-hmm. kept driving around just and around and around, around yeah. seeing whoever you could see. And this car, when we was coming around there, uh, started back out in front of me, and someone else not me, but someone else blew a horn. And I don't think it's even toward that car, but anyhow, the lady in this car, I thought they'd blow the horn at her. So <laughs> she backed on out in a real beautiful black Impala 60 model Chevy. Okay. And uh, lo and behold, had her hair in rollers, believe it or not. <laughs> Which she's never give up on that, that that was a bad situation. But anyway, uh, I followed her. Well, it so happened that Patty was dating a guy from Bloomington, and he had gotten in the car with us. Okay. So there was me and my cousin Judy in the front seat, and Patty and uh, uh, Larry was in the back. Okay. So anyway, we starts up uh, Walnut Street, get up the stoplight. I was watching. Now, in those days, was Walnut Street, you got Walnut in college. Was Walnut a one-way street like it is today? Or yeah, I said we went up. Well, we went up college. Oh, you okay? You yeah, were going from the big boy, which was up coming north into back town, up to town, and then you were headed back up college, back toward downtown. Well, so, so we'd go down and make a few laps around right. the square. That's right. all we done. That's, That's all, all there was okay. to do. 
But anyway, come up behind this car, this uh -huh. Chevy that had backed out, and the lady driving it, I, we come up to the stoplight, and in a minute I seen the uh, windshield washer squirt water up over the top, and then the wipers come on, and they go back off, and the lights come on and come back off. Well, she had a brand new car and didn't know how to operate it. Okay. So anyway, we get up beside her then, up the next stoplight, and Larry said, well, that's Marie Walcott. So I said, started asking him all about it, and he said, yeah, I was in school with her. And uh, this went on that evening, and he knew quite a bit about Marie because they were in class together. And so the next night, I called her sister that she was living with, which was June Bingham at that time. Okay, so how'd you, how'd you, so you said you mentioned you knew Margaret, or you had an interaction a little yeah. bit with Margaret, and so how'd you know June? Well, Larry's the one that told me she was living with June. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, so okay. that's how you, I got you. Mm -hmm. So she, she, she wasn't living at home at that time, she had moved in with her sister, right. so, okay. So I called her and uh, got her on the phone. When she come to the phone, I said, you'll never guess who this is. Well, that made her mad. <laughs> well, she said, why would I guess, you know? But Sounds anyway, like Mom. Yep. I said, do you remember the guy in the blue Chevy last night that pulled up beside you and was, uh, and tooted the horn at you and waved? And she said, yeah, yeah, I remember that guy sitting there with his girlfriend in there with him and waving at me. Well, she thought Juju was uh -huh. my girlfriend. So, uh -huh. so anyway, uh, this went on. So I told her, I said, Marie, uh, I sure would like to come up, go get a Coke with you or something like that. Would you do that? And she said, well, yeah, yeah, I would. So anyway, uh, I made the arrangements the next night, and so it was on my birthday. Oh. So. Uh, you happen to know which birthday? Uh, no. But you no. would have been around 20, 21, 22? Yeah, 21 so. or 22. Yeah? No, it was not my birthday. We had this date, and then the next time I asked her next. out was my birthday. Okay, all yeah. right. But anyway, I went up, and when I went to the door and knocked on the door, not knowing anybody, you know, there, this lady came to the door, and it was June. And I thought, when I looked at her, I thought, that's not what Marie looked like last night. <laughs> <laughs> So I looked at her and I said, Maria, and she said, yeah, she's in here. She'll be here in a minute. <laughs> Boy, that was a relief. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Marie came and we went, uh, uh, went to town, got a Coke and just drove around and talked. And uh, so I uh, had told her, I said, uh, and actually had run over one of my beagle hounds. and laid down under the car and I didn't know it and I started the car and it run over it the day before. But uh, thinking about that dog, I went ahead and told Marie, I said I was working on the car and this one of my beagle hounds came out there and uh, I had a can of, uh, a pan actually of gasoline that I was washing parts in. And that dog, before I knew it, I was underneath the car, had drank nearly all of that gasoline. And I said it started howling and hollering and took off and went around behind the house and I got out of there as fast as I could and run around there and I said there it laid on its back with its feet sticking straight up and she said was it dead and I said no it just run out of gas so she oh gosh she, 
he didn't like that very well. So she's seen right then she's going to have to try to catch up with me on rotten things to do. So I had a date with her on my birthday. She gets in the car that night with the prettiest little box wrapped up that you ever saw. And I thought, what in the world has she bought me? You know, she said that was my birthday present. She opened up that box. When I opened it up, it had a mouse in it, an artificial mouse. And she said, now we're even over the dog deal. <laughs> she gave you an artificial mouse for your birthday. Yeah. Oh, that's well, what, said, So your first birthday present for mom was that. So. Yeah, well, that's, I said, we're going to be okay, you know, if she can do jokes and I yeah. can too. So oh, that's, that's where it all began. And uh, up to where six months later, we, uh, we had been dating for quite some time actually had aimed to get married in June, but it got to where every night that I didn't go up to her house, I'd be at home, you know, saying, well, we'll sleep and get more sleep tonight and all that to rest. Uh -huh. And she'd come driving in the driveway about eight o'clock. So I said, there ain't no sense in all this. So we just went ahead and got married and have been married ever since. And um, back then, so you were, you were a part of, uh, uh, well, you, would have gone to church at Liberty Church, mm -hmm. um, and but you guys didn't get married at the church. You got married at was it Ted's house? Yeah, Virginia okay. Ted's. House. So why did you do that? I'm just kind of curious. Well, the situation, uh, the old church down there just wasn't set up very no. well to have a it wedding. It wasn't set up well at all. Yeah. No. So we went to Virginia's house and got married, and uh, and it was fine. Everything was okay. Now, at that point, Mom's dad is quite an interesting character. Had you gotten to spend any time with him? Not very much. Yeah, I no. figured it out. Yeah. So. Uh, he was a wonderful person, would do anything for anybody, but there was never a son-in-law that was worthy of having one of his daughters, you know, for a wife. But, right, yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, so, so as a result, you guys get married. You're working at Circus Tarzian, and then... Um, She's got brothers uh, that had learned through their dad how to be carpenters, yeah. and so tell us what happened there. So. Okay, they were builders, all of them were builders, and uh, I was only making, uh, I think I was making a dollar and sixty cents an hour Okay. at Tarzan's, and uh, they offered me two dollars an hour to come and help them do carpenter work. Okay. So I thought, well, you know, I can learn a lot there. So yep. I thought, well, that's probably going to be a better deal, which I did. And they was building a big apartment uh, building at the corner of Dodds and Henderson Street in Bloomington. Okay. And it was two-story. Well, I realized what they needed me for when they got ready to put the roof on it. There wasn't no way to get the shingles up there to carry them up a ladder, and that's what i done. That was my job. Oh, my God. <laughs> up to two-story. Two, two yeah, two-story house, big old long ladders, and they'd swing way in toward the building in the center as you went up through there with a bundle sure. of shingles on your shoulder. Yeah. But we got them all in there and got them, and so then I started helping them frame and do all the things we was going to do, and we went on like that for probably two years maybe. It was 61 we got married, and I think I went till about 63 or 64 and then went out on my own and bought a lot and started building okay yeah so that's how it all started do you remember um where in there did you uh build our house on woodyard uh, our, yeah woodyard road uh 
That was on up the line quite a little okay. ways. So, uh, so that wasn't one of your early homes? You well, built. fairly early. Uh, straight across the road from it was the house that I sold to Cecil. Uh-huh. And uh, that's not the one the Floyds lived in. It was the one that the one next door. The one, yeah, right. Um, and uh, what was the, the the guy that was a train uh, that worked at the train station lived there when we were young? Uh, I've lost his name. I can't say it. I can't either. Uh, right, now. Ross, 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 and Mary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, uh, Cecil bought the house when I got it finished. Okay. And. Uh, my brother-in-law Don Bingham was starting a house over on uh, Vernal Pike. Okay. And uh, he was wanting to leave and go to Florida. We're going to move down there. So the house was just starting to frame it. So I bought that from him and then I went ahead and built that house and we lived in it until we moved back over and built the one on Woodyard Road. Okay. Yeah. And then we moved in there and of course all you boys were born there. Yep. And, yeah. Uh, then from there we moved to where we are here right okay yeah and then um and so so like i said you started with her brothers and then you, you broke off and then you built these few houses and and lived in the one on woodyard um and then in that meantime you also want you let's wrap up this week tell us a little bit about buying the farm and building the cabin on the farm and we'll kind of wrap it up there so yeah. okay well uh the brother-in-law, Don Bingham, that I bought that one house from, came back from Florida then, Don and June, and had bought this farm. They wanted to buy this farm here on uh, uh, Mallory Road, but it was 500 acres, and they couldn't get enough money together to buy it all, so Don kept coming to me and wanting to uh, want me to buy 200 acres off of the west side of it, because he wanted the buildings the barns and, yep. uh, and the, most of the fields because he was going to start into farming and going to raise some cattle, which was fine. And he just kept bringing, I just told him, no, I couldn't, you know, and uh, he just kept bringing the price down, bringing it down, bringing it down. So I came over here one uh, one evening and uh, Maria and I got on a woods bike. There was a lot of open trails in here and we rode all over the whole thing and looked at the timber and looked at the situation. So then I went back to the bank. Uh, the guy that uh, helped me get my deal put through at the bank said, if you want that farm, he was one that was selling it to Don. Mm -hmm. He said, if you want to help Don buy that, he said, I'll make sure that you can get your money from the bank, not a problem, which we did, and I went ahead and bought it. Okay. And uh, then uh, right away we built the cabin. And do you remember offhand how much you paid for ac per acre? Now I know how much I paid. <laughs> well, you tell us how much you paid. <laughs> you want me to tell it? Sure. Oh, okay. I paid $125 an acre. Oh and uh, <laughs> I never dreamed at that time that I'd buy a pickup truck that cost me more money than what I paid for this 200 acre farm. Yeah, right. <laughs> but right. it did happen on up in the years. But uh, anyway, it all turned out, started cleaning, and my dad was still living, and his brother, Kenneth, and we, and then my brother-in-law, Bill, come and helped, and we'd done a lot of cleaning up, and we decided uh, we're still living on Woodyard Road. And I wanted to move over here, but Marie just flat said she didn't think she could handle it, so okay. 
we had talked about building out by the road mm -hmm. out in front where the picnic grounds are now and uh, so we talked about it for a while and uh, so I don't know how long we'd live here, but you boys were all riding the school bus. Well, well back up to when you built the cabin, because you must have built the cabin not very long after you you um, bought the farm. Right. Okay. Uh, I built the cabin in 1971. And how did you guys choose this location? Did you want to be back off the road yeah. or what? Well, what we done, built the cabin back here just to be secluded. Uh-huh. Well, then when we started coming to the cabin, I come home from work one night and Marie said, really been thinking about this. She said, you know, if we're gonna build over here, she said, I don't really wanna build out there by the road. Why don't we just build here where the cabin oh, is? Oh, so well, that's how that happened. Yeah, I, if I had been physically able to do it, I'd have done nine backflips because I was so excited to get to stay here where I wanted to be. Because you want to be back here anyways, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, then that's where it all began. We started building onto the cabin, and we built the cabin, and then three years later, I think it was, uh, we built the two-story house right. on yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we we all mm -hmm. crammed into that cabin for a few mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. As a little kid, it seemed like a long time. But yeah, yeah I think it was only maybe three yeah. years or something. Mm -hmm. So, all right, well, we're at twenty-eight minutes, so we will wrap it up for this week. So, Dad, thank you. And uh, next week we will finish out the jobs. There's still a lot of a lot of jobs to talk about there, so we'll get into that next time.